Where we last left the party, they had successfully dispatched Nakmatera's Aspect, the Voiceless Herald, as Afron had made an exchange. Information for death. After granting the Herald's release, Ifran was suddenly burdened with elder knowledge, and as they returned to the Nexus, they found Val unconscious, breathing, but with no heartbeat. And soon after, Ifran too succumbed to the Great Beyond. Ifran, after losing consciousness upon your return from Nakmatera's plane, you blink awake to warm sunlight and a cool breeze wafting through waist-high grass of gold and yellow hues. It looks like the plains of Imera, and you recognize some of the landforms, mountains and such around you, but you can't place yourself exactly. Behind you is a stone archway, carved to look like wood, with three empty sockets in its keystone. You feel a distinct warmth in your hand, and as you uncurl your fingers, you see a small, smooth, amber stone that slowly loses its shine. Mm, curious. Do I feel any sort of special connection to this amber stone? Or As you ponder it, you start to recall a few different stories, maybe, that you've heard of Nakhmatera and things you've read, but as you try to concentrate on one specific thing, your thoughts are drowned out by other thoughts, voices that are not your own, and a low throbbing that grows into a hum that grows into a clanging, bashing sound over and over in the distance. Okay. Are there any hills nearby? No. It seems to it's be all pretty flat. Pretty flat. And the clinging is coming from the distance. And I, can I tell what direction it's coming from? The southwest. You seem to be smack dab in the middle of Imera. You can just barely see the mountains that are in the middle of the fell. And there are some mountains to your north and west, that at least northwest that you assume, that, like I said, are recognizable. Fran's going to move towards the clanging. And as he does so, he's going to try to remember what the significance of this stone is. He's got this feeling like he should know what it is, like it's important, but he can't quite put his finger on why. To reach the source of the clanging, this banging sound over and over, it will take you approximately five months of straight foot travel. And so over this time, you dig into your rations, you are able to scrounge food from around you. You don't see any other living soul. And each night as you settle down to rest and continue to ponder this stone, racking your brain and your memory, it doesn't get any easier to recall things. So over the course of these months, I'm going to have you do then five history checks. And the total thereof will determine what you are able to recall. So you want me to roll five d20s and tell you what the total is? Or... Yes, but I mean, tell me each consecutive one as well. Okay. And I can tell you what... Here, let me... Um... You know, at the end of the first month, this. At the end of the second month, this. Okay, yeah, here. The first roll is 14. So at the end of the first month, as you're, like I said, racking your brain and really trying to pick your memory, the voices, the sounds, these thoughts that are not your own, they're too much. It obfuscates what little bits of information you could have picked, maybe, from something you'd heard or read. However, it 
might be easier as time goes on to pick these other thoughts for their own memories as that idea dawns upon you. So at the end of the first month, you haven't gathered much of anything, but you have learned to separate yourself from these voices. Okay, kind of getting a, getting a grip on what's going on. All right, well, the second roll is only an 11, so a little bit worse. By the end of the second month, you still haven't made much progress, but a name has come to you, the Amber. You're unsure what it is. Uh, a plane, a world, a state, who knows? But somehow it's connected to the Valor Nachmatera, and perhaps her herald. But as you try, try to recall, these other voices drown out your own thoughts and leave you restless. All right. Well, the third roll is a 19. By the end of this third month, you have been able to quarantine, so to speak, these other voices. You've drowned them out with your own force of will. And as you continue to contemplate this stone and reach out into your own mind and into the minds of those that have seemingly invaded yours, you realize that these voices are real. They are not imagined. And that this world that you have been transported to whether in reality or simply in your mind, it makes little difference. It is a shared world, a shared dream. And you think the Amber may be its name. Interesting. All right. I can't tell if I like where this is going or not with all these voices in my head. But the fourth roll was a 17. By the end of the fourth month, the other voices have faded, mostly. And these golden plains that you were traveling in have also started to fade as you move into a more temperate, boreal land. Pines, snowdrifts, rocky crags, and mountain peaks that you begin to scale. Likewise, you've cemented in your mind, yes, this is the Amber, a dream world shared by those who lose a part of themselves to the voiceless herald of Nakmatera. Final roll... This is 17. As you reach the mouth of an enormous cave, the banging, clanging, so close, just inside, you peer down at that little stone in your hand. Its luster, its warmth, faded, gone. But its significance, you just realize. You recall the archway that you arrived underneath, and the small sockets in its keystone. This would fit perfectly there. However, there were two others, also missing. It seems if you want to leave the Amber, you must complete the gateway. And to complete the gateway, you must find these pieces of Amber. One of which you have, two of which you do not. And with that knowledge, you press forward into the cave? Yep. If my math is correct, the one I have and the two I don't, that makes three. This cave seems like as good a place as any. What was your total roll? Oh, the total was 78. Then you have learned everything I've said, nothing additional. Cool. Efron will press forward into this cave. As you do so, it widens and narrows and darkens. And you seem to be led, almost, by the faintest sounds, the faintest lights at the edges of your vision, whispers in the back of your mind. Your steps are clear, unimpeded, but it's not long before everything is pitch black around you. And even as your eyes adjust, there's just plainly nothing to see, for there is no light here. Until, after a time that escapes you, 
as the banging and clanging becomes more refined, closer, you do see light, rising and falling, with every sound. And as you step into an incredibly large, echoey chamber, you see a figure sitting near an anvil, pounding away at a sword, still glowing hot, fading between strikes, and then reigniting every time the hammer strikes it. Hello, friend. May I ask who you are? Have you come to relieve me? I do not know what you are doing. I am keeping something asleep. An interesting way of going about that. It is, yeah. And what exactly are you keeping asleep? He is called Aguirreal. And what happens if he wakes up? I do not know. You seem to have been here for a long time, friend. Ifran, even though there is some light, it's still dim. So Ifran is going to move closer so he can better communicate with this person here at the anvil. As you do, you look upon an older Talik woman. She seems to be nobly dressed, a gorgeous signet ring upon her finger, kind eyes, laugh lines on her face, but she seems weary, tired, drained, and looking up as she looks at you, she sees an emetic man, older, grayed hair, a salt and pepper beard, loose clothes. Please tell me, what is your name? I had a name once, I think. Quite interesting. You have been here so long you have forgotten your own name. I am Efran, and I am seeking something. Perhaps we could help each other. Efran? Yes, that is correct. You are Efran? Yes, I do believe I spoke my name correctly. Efran Zedmir. Your name means something to me. I I don't... I don't know what. You have been here quite a while, my friend. Perhaps you know a thing or two about this place. Specifically, where one could find more of these, he says, holding up the piece of amber. Did I see anything like that in my very long travels? Not a one. I I have never seen such things. I have been here, mostly. I think it took me probably quite a long time to get here, but... I don't remember. Hmm. Then it will be most difficult to leave this place. For you see, one requires three of these. I happened to awaken here with one. And I was hoping perhaps you had another. But if that is not the case, we will simply have to find them. I, I cannot leave this task. Well... You did say you do not know what happens if you stop your task. It feels important. I, I cannot explain why. I I feel as though I must do it in order to keep the world safe. That sounds very silly now that I say it aloud, but I was asked to do this and I have not stopped since then. Very well, I understand. Your accent, it is quite distinct. May I ask where you are from? I don't know. Because you appear to be quite human, but it is not a dialect that I am familiar with. I do not know what I look like. I have not seen myself. Hmm. Here. And Efron, uh, does Efron still have Imen? Yes. Okay. And Efron takes Imen, wipes down the blade to make it, you know, 
at least somewhat shiny, and kind of positions it so this person can see themselves. Yes, in the light of the glow of this old sword that you hammer upon, as Ephron positions the dagger in such a way that you can see your reflection, Val, you see the image of Katasandra. Oh. <laughs> I know this face. I don't think it belongs to me, but I know it very well. Interesting. Well, then perhaps I can help you find your memories. However, first we must obtain these pieces of amber if we are to leave this place. I think that first we must find someone to take over the forge. Simply put, I cannot take over this forge. As much as it pains me to say, I have learned a great many things, things which I must tell my companions. For truly, the fate of the world does rest upon it. And so I cannot be trapped here. However, I do not intend to abandon you either. You seem to be quite weary, and you seem to have been here for long long past your time. So, perhaps I will find the ember, and when I have found all of the pieces, I will return for you, and together we can leave. I, I, I would like to help you if I can. I don't want to do this. It is just something that must be done for reasons I honestly do, do not comprehend. <laughs> and you have been here so long that you have forgotten any reason why you do this. So perhaps there is no reason to do it. Do you think I should stop? You are the master of your own fate. However, if I were in your place, I would not want to be stuck here. But the decision is up to you. Do you know of anyone else in this place? It is a shared dream between many people. However, I have found no one but you. I know only of two others one whose name I, I do not know he was strange to me I do not know if I could describe him like a, a large beetle of some kind he was the one who did this task before I did the other is a Giriel then perhaps we should talk to either one of them and inquire if they know the whereabouts of the pieces of amber you say a Giriel is sleeping he is, yeah. I I don't know if I can speak to him, but I do think I could probably... I think I know how to contact um, this beetle. Then please, by all means. Alright. I will, I will cast Sending on my beetle friend, <laughs> who okay. is long gone by now. Because Sending is constrained to your same plane of existence, isn't it? No, it can go to any other plane of existence, but there is a like a percentage chance that it'll fail if the being I'm trying to contact is on another plane. Um, There's a 5% chance that it doesn't arrive if they send it to a being on another plane. So roll a d20. And on a critical fail, I don't get it. <laughs> go. That's a 7. All right, you may send your message. That was close. Hooray. It was a little too close for comfort, I'll be honest. The next time you can just lie. You can just be like, well, that's a nat too. <laughs> Boom. All right. Um, I will say, do you know where we might find amber pieces? What happens if Igiriel wakes? That's it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I, I can send as many times as I want. <laughs> that's right. You feel something prick your mind. Very familiar, this feeling. 
In fact, for Laurel's sake, this is the exact same feeling that Val felt when you reached out to the Herald. Ooh. For the first time. But this is dialed back, you know, a million times because you're not being swarmed by yeah. elder knowledge that will break your <laughs> psyche into pieces. But you feel that slightest little pinprick as a response. And you you don't have words that come back to you, but more of a feeling. And you interpret it, or th- there's only one way to interpret it, and that is a warning. Mm-hmm. And it's not so much a warning about what you were asking, but it's a, not a fear, so to say, but a desire for distance, a desire for isolation, and a warning for those that would disturb that. Mm. So it wants me to leave it alone, is is the emotion I get? Basically. Okay. Helpful. Jerk. Um, <laughs> <laughs> trap me in an eternity of hammering on your sword, and then ignore me. Um, he, well, they, I don't know if it has a gender, regardless, sorry. Um, it has been a long time since I've spoken to anyone. Uh, they did not answer my question. They have sort of, uh, in a way, told me to piss off. Hmm. Well, that is quite rude. Quite rude indeed. Well then, I suppose we could continue asking it until it gets so annoyed that it tells us if it knows where some amber is or not. Or, hmm, perhaps I could ask somebody. Who would you ask? These voices that were in his head. Was that ever, like, uh, uh, I guess he, he got pretty decent at, um, at, like, holding them at bay, yeah? Yeah, like sifting them. Sifting them? Okay. Can Afran sit down, take off his pack, and go into a little meditative stance? and try to sift through these voices to see if he has heard any of them mention a piece of amber or a location or anything about getting out of here. As you do this, you hear repeated, as you willingly tap into these voices, you hear repeated, echoed, leave, take him, get out, leave, leave with him, take him, go. And they're, they're arguing amongst each other. Hmm. My friend, my friend, I do not know if you have heard the same voices that I have heard. But after some small investigation on my part, it seems that many of them are quite insistent that we should leave. So perhaps it is time for you to go. Efron, do a constitution saving throw. Oh my goodness. That is a 22. Nice. Oh, that's a nat 20. <gasps> nice. Yeah. You feel pain. Intense physical pain. Ouch. From your head going toward your extremities. And though it doesn't reach far, it is there. Not enough to bring you to your knees, as maybe it would have if you weren't able to resist it so well. But with it comes one phrase and one voice louder and more persistent than all the others and it says wake it very good (laughs) so uh, Efron reeling from this jolt of pain turns off he turns off the crazy voice faucet and he says (laughs) uh, he says to the figure to this person hammering away I am quite insistent now we should leave I, 
I would very much like to leave. I'm not keen on staying here. I, I just, I don't, I don't know what happens if I stop. Okay, v- very well. It is no problem. Then you may go and I will take your place. I, I don't want that either. Just, just, trust me. Trust me. Please. I know you will return. Wink. <laughs> <laughs> what is it you want me to do? Go outside the cave. Stretch your legs. Breathe the free air for a moment. I mean, honestly, I think that probably sounds really nice <laughs> to Val at this point. And Efron steps up to the figure, puts his left hand on her shoulder, and with his right hand, he reaches and he grabs the hammer and he gently takes it from her hand. I'm, I, I let you do that 100%. Okay. Okay. And he ushers her away and he sits down and he starts hammering. Does she just... Val will go outside, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm out of there. As Val begins to leave, you try your best to, you know, retrace your steps from oh so long ago through the darkness, but still the only light point of reference that you have is the glow of this sword as you start walking away. Um, can I cast light? No. Ooh. Or at least you try, but nothing is conjured. Okay, that's weird. I'll I'll try dancing lights. <laughs> Again, as you try to conjure some sort of light in this darkness, you are unsuccessful. Though you feel as if it's there, mm. you are just not seeing it. Okay, I'll press forward. Okay, after a little while, the person that Efron does not know is Val stops hearing the hammering. I think Val honestly would, would turn around and try to head back. If I'm going to make it, I don't know. But You didn't make it very far, so you see the glow and the sword slowly fading more and more. Can I take the sword from, like, the anvil? Or is it like... No, you can take it. Oh, cool. What are you doing? Efron, with the sword and the hammer in hand, he says, It is simple. As you can see, Egirio will probably wake up quite soon. Uh, do you... Uh, we... Egirio is the world drake. We cannot just... I, well, maybe we can. I don't know. I don't know anything about what's going on. I feel very sort of um, out of my depth, which I think is probably uh, quite usual for me. I'll be honest. I, what is usual for me? Sorry, I'm rambling now. Do you know what happens if he wakes? Many things could happen. What of those things will happen? I am not sure. The glow of the sword is almost gone. I think Val is very nervous, but... <laughs> <laughs> sort of also realizes that, like, things cannot continue to stay in this stasis, and this is the only way. I will put it simply. I am not willing to stay here for the rest of eternity, hammering away at this sword. And you seem like you have been here for quite a long time, and I am not willing to consign you to that fate once more. So, I will be leaving. You may feel free to stay here and wait to meet the world Drake face to face. I do not wish that for me. So I will be going and trying to exit this place. You are free to join if you would like. I, I think that I would. Yeah. Um. Okay. Yeah. We should probably go quickly. Yes. Very good. By the time you finish speaking, the glow from the sword is gone. And your world is plunged back into absolute darkness. And at that point, you hear an enormous rumble that causes the cavern floor to shake. And you feel dust and stone, little pebbles, 
hit against your shoulders and clatter onto the floor. And then this rumble intensifies more and more. I believe it would be best if we leave. Fran's going to boogie as best he can. (laughs) Yeah, can we run? Keep in mind, you cannot see each other. Fran will grab this lady's hand and he will use the sword kind of like a uh, blind man's cane to try to feel out where like the floor is and, you know, kind of... He's trying to find where the wall is so that he can find like a tunnel and get out. So you drop the hammer then? Yeah, I guess if I'm, I guess if I'm grabbing. <laughs> I can take the hammer if you want. Val, why don't you take the hammer? Okay, if you pass it to me and then take my hand, that's fine. Okay, then Efron will press the hammer into one hand and then take the other hand in his now free hand, a lot of hands, <laughs> and he's going to use the sword to try to locate a wall and use it so that he can direct himself much as a blind man would use a cane to direct themselves. As you begin your way out of this cavern and through tunnels once more, you are able to find a passageway. Speaking to each other would be impossible, as the voices in Efron's head are drowning out any other thought, and the noise echoing throughout this cavernous system is three times as loud, rumbling and crashing and banging as stone fractures and cracks and breaks and smashes into the ground, narrowly missing the two of you. You can't even see, you can't even imagine how close you are to absolute doom, but you can feel waves of energy and air and dust just wash over you as this cave breaks down and collapses behind you as you go, until finally you see the slightest hint of light at the end of a long tunnel. Efron's going for it as quick as he can. Yeah, booking it, baby. As you do, let's have both of you do dexterity saving throws. Oh, no. (gasps) Pretty good. 19. All right, not as good. 13. As you go, the light coming closer and closer as you see the outside world again. You are both struck as you run. Val, not so much. A glancing blow to your back as a piece of jagged stone rips across your shoulder. Ifron is a little worse for wear as a bit of stone explodes at your feet, sending you careening one way, right underneath another piece of collapsing ceiling that slashes down your arm and lodges itself into your hand, blood trickling down on the floor as you continue to run, both of you then bursting into the sunlight at the end of this tunnel as a wave of smoke and dust billows out, completely covering the world in front of you as it settles. As you both come to your feet after collapsing, the sight you see before you is not where you entered the cave. This is an entirely new valley, an entirely new horizon, stretching off into infinity. Gold and reddish tundra, as far as you can see. Small, craggy hills capped with snow and outcroppings of stone jutting up every so often. Steam rising from springs and rivers of hot geothermal lake beds. The great mountains behind you, now completely impassable. As you look to each other, covered in dust, Efron is going to start coughing. Yeah. <laughs> are you are you alright? I have been better, but I will I will be okay. 
and he grits his teeth and he pulls out the chunk of rock that lodged in his hand and he's going to bandage that ripping off a piece of his shirt or something. I, I, I might be able to help. Please do. And he uh, offers his hand to Val. Okay. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna intent. I think that intent is sort of second nature to Val. Like I don't know that he remembers that he knows how to do this, but he does in in his subconscious mind. Let's go. Healing. That's an 18 on my d20. Okay. And a 29 on my d100. You are able to heal Ephron. <laughs> yes. Mm. As the bits of stone shrapnel dislodge themselves from his hand and his muscle and sinew stitches together as if you were watching a time lapse of it grow, the skin then forming anew atop it, leaving a still quite ghastly scar. But as the little hairs then begin to grow on it, as this comes to a close, this process, it seems like just an aged wound. That is quite the trick. If only I had known you could do such a thing, I would not have torn my shirt. (laughs) You are quite peculiar. A woman that cannot remember who she is, cannot even remember her own name. Yet you can wield intent quite naturally. And you speak with an odd accent. Tell me, have you traveled much in the Kinlands? (laughs) I, I think I must have. I think that I'm quite good at this. I would say so, judging by the results, uh, Efron says as he motions towards his hand. But now is not the time for idle chit-chat. We should be on our way before anything worse happens. Uh, Well, I suspect something worse will definitely happen. Then all the more reason that we should be going. All right. And Efron starts heading in a direction... (laughs) I'm <laughs> not sure which. I guess he's going to try to figure out um, what direction the archway lay in. Are we high up? It would seem you are, elevation-wise, quite high. Okay. As Efron starts moving, he starts coughing and wheezing again, and he turns back to the woman and he says, Perhaps I was <clears throat> a bit hasty. Um, perhaps it would be good before we leave to wash ourselves in these hot springs. I, I don't know if the hot springs are safe, but um, Val will press digitate himself and Efron clean. As you do so, you feel yourself drawing upon the same energies that you did when you healed Efron, and you find that well empty. Oh, this is different. It is quite all right. Here, I can test the waters, and if they are not safe, you can simply heal me again. I I would rather not take that risk. Um, Can I uh, investigate them? (laughs) Yes, easily. They're quite plain to see. There's no need for any rolling or whatnot. Great. Your passive will do. <laughs> My passive is at 24, so I should hope it would do. It's water. It's hot water bubbling up from below the ground. It, they seem safe. Very well. Then I suggest we both take the quickest of baths. Of course, we shall separate. I will not dare gaze upon your... I mean, uh, this face is not my face, uh, but... That's fine. Um, I'll go over there, I guess. It is of no consequence to me. I was simply trying to be polite, but as you will. And Efron uh, <laughs> quickly disrobes and hops on into the springs. Yeah, I'll, I'll go in clothes on and then wash those off while I'm in there. Efron's just looking at himself, wondering what happened to his once tight and supple body. Now and <laughs> now an old man looking at his moobs. <laughs> 
you might not, actually. For as you rinse your clothes clean of this dust and dirt, and then step in yourselves, you seem to change. Val, as you dip your foot into the hot spring, it comes out as gray as it went in. Oh my goodness. But not because it's covered in dust, but because this is the foot of an Elvirette. And Efron, as you wash yourself, you almost rinse away the wrinkles. And as you run your hand over your head, this water seems to bring forth the hair that was once there. By the end, as you've both thoroughly washed yourselves, Val, looking into the water, this bubbling reflection, you see you, as you once did. Val, Valmes Sulacel. And Efron, you see yourself, as you've always known. Nice. I am tight and supple once more. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think Val, like, points at his reflection and then looks at Efron (laughs) and, like, points at himself in, like, real life. That that is my face. Yeah. um, Valmes. That is my name. Hmm. Yes. Without your feminine beauty, you are much easier to recognize. Val, (laughs) I am glad to see you. I do know you, Zen. Yes. Yes, we are... We are friends. We share a common goal. You do not remember anything. You have been here for quite some time. I don't know. I, th- I think you were my first friend. The first of many. And there are more people. They are waiting for us. And I have information that I must give them. That I must give you. It is quite important. You see, you have a large task ahead of you. As do we all. Do you remember anything about the conflict between us and the Velors? As you pose this question, a voice comes to both of you. Not a voice in your minds, but a voice in the near distance. And as you both, you know, are still disrobed (laughs) in a hot spring, looking up, you see a figure sitting atop one of these stones that line the pool. You can't quite tell if they're human or kin, but they offer you a wry smile, and they say, that is quite the topic. I would be one to hear that as well, but perhaps uh, you could dress yourselves for the occasion. We would not want to be uh, indecent. (laughs) Do I recognize this person? Is it Vale? You do not. I thought it was Vale too. As I said, you cannot tell whether they are human or kin, and as they step down from the stone and walk towards you. They unravel the cloth wrappings that are tight around their head and face. They carry a long staff and wear simple garb that is also just seems to be wrappings around their body. They kneel down at the edge of the pool and put their fingers in and then flick them dry. And looking between the two of you, they say once more, Come now. As I said, there is much to discuss and your plight seems dire. I'll be waiting, just around the bend. And they gesture to one of the stones, and then walks off. I guess the frown is gonna hop out and towel off, you know? <laughs> With those towels that we have. Yeah, Val will do the same. The, the, the towels are complimentary. <laughs> right, so. We're gonna start an onsen here in the tundra land. Um, yeah, and he gets dressed and uh, waits for Val to get ready. So that they can go talk to Mr. Mysterious. Are my clothes my clothes again? No. 
Okay, I'll put on whatever <laughs> weird bag has been provided to me by the Dream Realm. Then, newly washed and dressed, Val and Afron make way for the mysterious figure who leads them outside the fell at the edge of the world.